Welcome to the Post Sunday Podcast, presented by Genesis Church. A place to go further, discover more, and to learn things you possibly never have. It's not just enough to know of God, we want you to know Him. Coming to you from sunny Orlando, Florida, it's time to rethink life the way God intended. This is the Genesis Post Sunday Podcast. What is going on, Post Sunday Podcasters? It is your boy, your man, your host, Pastor Johnny Sierra here along with you guys. All is uh, well. Everything is back into place. Everything is in its rightful place, right? Your host is here. My co-host is Pastor Tim is right alongside of me this week, but he's on the hot seat this week. What's up, bro? How you doing? The difference is I don't don't care about being in the hot seat. (laughs) I do. You do. <laughs> Every time. You're different on this side of the table than you're on that side of the table. You're much more comfortable. Oh, man. Yeah. And you just kind of have a flow to you. There when is you're on a that flow. Side. There is a little bit of a difference. On this yeah. side, you, you look. You look like I'm tense. Like, yeah, tense. There's a l- just- I'm thinking through some Because there's, you know, with this whole element, like you've preached it, but it's still new because. We're going to touch on some different angles. I don't necessarily know 100% where you're going with this. And so I'm like, I got, you know, I'm strapped up and everything's locked and loaded. But, you know, I'm kind of like that, that, that wild, wild west, you know, as the two cowboys are staring each other down. You know, you're like, all right, where are you going with this? Like, I'm, I'm ready faster. to fire away. I'm faster with my six shooter <laughs> than you are. Hey, today's a good day. Episode 37. 37, Producer Stanton's back. Whoa, whoa. He's been spending the weekend with the love of his life. Man. So he's on cloud nine. And we got a guest in the studio today. Glenn Cook is here. Let's go, man. And he's just studio audience of one. (laughs) Listen, man. Hey, when this thing gets blown up. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna have bragging rights on everybody. We're going to have someone saying, how come I haven't gotten to come sit on the podcast? <laughs> you should have took a step of faith. You should have been here. Yeah, we'll figure it out. But this is great, man. Really excited to have you guys with us today. I hope you've been enjoying uh, just our 36 full weeks of The NeverEnding Story. Um, if you're new with us, welcome to the podcast. We're really excited to have you guys joining us. Uh, what are we doing? What are we all about? We're the post-Sunday podcast. We're really stemmed out from Genesis Church Orlando, where we gather weekly together and where we're doing a year-long Bible study together. It's The NeverEnding Story. We are on week 37 And uh, we got some really good stuff, but um, if you want to catch up with us, there is a ton of things for you to binge on and spoil yourself with. So you can start with youtube.com backslash Genesis Church Orlando to check out all of our teachings throughout the year. We started in January 1st with Genesis 1. Uh, And then you can go ahead and check us out, the Post Sunday Podcast, all social media platforms at Post Sunday Podcast. You can check us out on iTunes, Spotify, and also on YouTube as well. So um, really excited for this week. We, uh, we're going to get started here shortly, but I wanted to just introduce our producer and get the post-Sunday podcast question of the week. I'm here. Today. It's great to be here. 
I was at Liberty. I got to watch Toby Mac Friday during the convocation, so I got to see one of my favorite nice musicians. Um, Johnny, Liberty grad himself, right? Yeah. Yeah, you should be encouraged. He is a golfer, so it just goes to show Ooh. every musician ends up being a good golfer down the road. So there That's is cool. there is time for Giant yeah. to gain Lo- next Low key. Best I've swing. Been, that's been my, my thing. So, But anyway, we're going to get to the post-Sunday podcast question of the week. I got a brand new song that I made just for Johnny. I have one just for Tim, and I want to. My man. My man. <laughs> I have one Bring just for, it. for Johnny, so here we go. If you smell what the rock is cooking. You know what time it is, PSP listeners. You ask the hard questions, and Tim and Johnny drop the spiritual knowledge in the segment we call the PSP Question of the Day. First of all, sorry, man. That's my dude. If you smell what what Fuego is cooking, I want the Ultimate Warrior theme song next time. (laughs) I'm in the captain's chair. But you need to run through the door, bro. All the way down the hall, just shaking everything around. Hang on, we'll get a camera to follow you as you're coming down. We'll have it on the screen so people could see that. And I'm going to paint my face. (laughs) Secondly, did you just mix in Super Mario with the rock theme song? So I have the Super Mario <laughs> coin collecting ding noise. I have an air horn because Johnny Johnny's Spanish, so that's a lot of air horn. Yes. Also, one that you won't hear here, but you'll hear it on the podcast, Mike Breen saying his famous bang. Yes. How come game, you got all that? Game What's seven. Up? I'm good. Because because what people don't understand is is that Johnny's like my boyfriend. I'm the I'm the captain here, bro. Okay. I even told my girlfriend Just give that. me the question. <laughs> <laughs> I love you too, Stan. So the question is coming from one of our listeners here on Instagram. And it reads, I am reading through Matthew 17, 1 through 13. I have read this so many times and just don't understand what Jesus is saying here. Please help. And most specifically, verses 9 through 13. Is Elijah supposed to come back again still? Ooh. That's a good one, man. Um, we were talking pre, pre-show, and you were telling me a little bit about how this correlates with where we're going to go with the podcast. So Yeah, so this, this, will, this will make some connecting points a little later as well. Um, the beauty of the Mount of Transfiguration, which is what this uh, certain event is all about, is that Jesus goes up the mountain, he takes Peter, James, and John with him, three of his closest disciples, once again, as we always say, there are layers in everything in the scriptures. So there's a layer to the fact that Jesus had 12 disciples. He had more than that, actually, we know, um, men and women following him, but he had the 12. And then he did specific things with just the three. Mm. And so there's there's just that picture right there alone of if your circles of, you know, your spheres of influence that you are around and you do things with. Um, the beauty of the Mount of Transfiguration is that everything we've been talking about in the never-ending story about there is the new Moses, there is the new Elijah that Moses talked about, that the prophets talked about, it's all happening in Jesus. And so it's taking place in this moment. Jesus goes up the mountain and they look and they see Moses and Elijah with Jesus. And so it's the confirmation that the one they've all been waiting for and you have to think if you're peter james and john you're getting to see this play out there's another layer to that um so i'll I'll say it here on the podcast but i really can't wait to teach it later down the line is that um 
when Moses says in Deuteronomy chapter 18, chapter 18, I think it is. Um, I may be wrong on that chapter, but anyways, in Deuteronomy, there's one, God will raise up one like me, a prophet like me. Mm-hmm. And then he says, and you will listen to him. In this moment, it says that God opened up the heavens and he says these words, this is my beloved son. And then he says this, listen to him. The very word that Moses said, when the prophet comes, listen to him. God declares, this is my son. This is the new Moses. Listen to him. Peter, James, and John knew what they were looking for and the new Messiah. And they would immediately connect it that Moses said, when he arrives, listen to him. God speaks from heaven. He says these words, listen to him. This is absolutely the Messiah. And so there's another layer of that in the fact that, um, and obviously we can't unpack all of it here, but uh, people are like, well, what happens when we, when we die? Like, you know, what, what do we like? What do we look like? All these things happen. Moses and Elijah are recognized by Peter, James, and John. So there's, there's, there's that aspect of it alone that they recognize who they are. Mm. They, they resemble their true selves. Um, and then Jesus comes down and he says, don't tell anybody, but he did that often. He, he said, listen, there are certain things that I'm revealing to certain people and it's not for everyone at this time. And so he tells them, don't, don't, don't tell anyone what you saw here until I, I raised from the dead, because there's the confirmation, right? That what you saw, the new Moses, the new Elijah, the promise that God had all the way from the garden from Abraham has now shown up and he's done exactly what God promised he would do. He would defeat death and he would raise, he would rise from the dead. And, you know, then he goes into the whole thing about Elijah and he reminds them that Elijah did come and he tells them, he says, they realized that he was speaking of John the Baptist. So the one they were looking for, like Elijah, that they thought Elijah the prophet returns, John the Baptist was the one playing that role. He was the one, the forerunner for the Messiah, for Jesus. And he says, listen, they did to him just like they did Elijah the prophet. They did to him what they wanted to. And they didn't realize who he actually was and what part he was playing in this story. And so that's a little glimpse. It is going to connect, I think, a lot to what we talk about today in the event in the story, because what Jesus is proclaiming connects all those dots all the time, all throughout scripture. Yeah. And even what he does, it's um, resembling a lot of these people that they um, just really held at a high stature, but he's doing it in a fresh way. Yeah. doing it in a new covenant way, right? Yeah. So it's it's awesome, man. I love the connections that we're doing here with Scripture and just with everything in general. It's awesome. And I want to get right to it, man. So episode 37, here we are. Um, you brought a tremendous word, Pastor Tim, uh, this past weekend. And so fitting for our time as a church with kickoff Sunday, uh, meaning, basically meaning we're launching in the fall here, just launching new group life uh, gatherings and and just really life groups just really coming together and just new opportunities, the kickstart of a lot of new things and fresh things here at Genesis Church. And it was a perfect message for what uh, it was to just really launch this thing. But we are in Matthew 14 this week. So uh, take some time and read through that. But it is Jesus feeding the 5,000. And basically to recap here, uh, what we've talked about is God's promises has already arrived in Jesus, right? Um, we see that the king of the kingdom of heaven has come to earth. We talked the week prior about what that looks like, what the kingdom of God looks like, 
Um, and so here is Jesus now establishing these things and, and, and also how you begin to live in the kingdom. So we're seeing that from Jesus. He's, he's living out the mission, but he's also telling us how this looks like, what the kingdom of God operates like. And now um, he's getting ready to show some, some things. And, I, man, I, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but it was, it was super good, um, the three analogies you brought. Um, but let's go to Matthew 14, 13, man. And, and, and it says, so now when Jesus heard this, um, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. Um, but when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. Um, couple, there's a lot to even to break down with that. Yeah. Um, you highlighted now when Jesus heard this, and I, I want you to talk through that, but one thing that really, really highlighted itself to me was Jesus withdrawing himself. Um, I don't think we talk a lot about that and, and being able to process things, how Jesus really um, almost desired to have that alone time, pressed for it, wanted it, enforced it, right? Uh, we don't talk a lot about that and taking himself away from these situations um, because he's being, he's being drained, right? And so when someone's being drained, I need to go and find myself. Oh, I need to pull myself away so that I can go ahead and redeposit more, you know, and so, but I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I thought that was awesome. And maybe we can chime in on that later. But now when Jesus heard this, what, what did he hear? Yeah. What, what, so what was happening key, at this time? You know, it's, it's like when you jump into a passage, if you don't know what's going on around it. Yeah. So the context matters. You, you know, I, I learned early on, you want to read before and you want to read after mm. to get a full picture of what you're reading. So true. Because so many times it doesn't quite make sense. And so if you just jump into it, immediately you're going to get to the core of the event. But that first part that, that we looked at, then Jesus heard was, you know, right after he finds out John the Baptist has been killed. His cousin, the one who jumps in the womb, you know, when his, yeah. their mothers meet. So Here's a guy that's played, played an integral part, the forerunner, the one we just talked about that Jesus is referencing in Matthew chapter 17, that they didn't realize this was the one that was going to play the role of, of Elijah to announce my coming, um, to prepare the way for the Messiah to be here. And he has been beheaded by King Herod and he has spoken against him and the relationships that he has. And so uh, the person that he has a relationship with comes to him and says, um, if I do this for you, will you grant me any requests? And he says, sure. And then he, she says, uh, bring me John the Baptist's head on a silver platter. And so they behead him. And Jesus has found out that news and he's broken. The, the scripture shows us in the text. He is broken and he needs to get away. He needs to process. He needs to mourn. He needs to have some time, just like we all do when, when we face the loss of a loved one or a close friend. And that's really the setting to the story. It is. Yeah. So if you, if you miss that and they're just like, well, this Jesus guy goes around and he does everything everybody ever asks of him. That's not true. That's the, 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 the thing we get wrong in the scriptures. As a matter of fact, the times we can't quite figure out are like when he shows up and it says the people came pressing in on him to continue to heal their sick and Jesus left and went to the next town. What do you mean? He didn't stay around and heal everybody that wanted to be healed? Isn't this Jesus? And this really sets up what we're focusing in on the story that Jesus had a mission and he knows his mission. 
Um, however, it doesn't mean that he wasn't compelled to respond. So therefore, he looks at this crowd that has come upon him and, you know, once again setting, this is a crowd. These are not the disciples. Now, he knows his disciples will be with him, so he, everything he's about to do is a teaching lesson for them. He's a rabbi. So who knows? Teaching them could be, if he sends them away, they're like, well, why didn't he have compassion on them? <laughs> Inviting them in, you know, do they see that he has compassion? And this is the type of teacher they're following. We don't know that part. But we know that whatever he's going to do is going to have a high teaching lesson to his very disciples. But what we also know is this is a crowd. They are not disciples. They are curious people. Some of them are probably just caught up in the, the aura of, and the mystique of this Jewish rabbi walking around healing people, and they got to see it for themselves, right? It's, it's yeah. just that type of curiosity. Yeah, you got a, a lot of crowd there, a lot of people that want to see what he's going to do. A lot of people that have, um, you know, very selfish ambitions or um, I, as I was even studying, you know, myself with the message prior, um, they talked about just how many different crowds or gatherings of people came to Jesus, the possibility of that, right? People coming in with a political mindset. Uh, oh, is this guy going to uh, claim, you know, uh, political stat status or um, you know, is he coming in to uproot the, the, the powers of Rome? Um, you know, so there's just, uh, there's an audience of curie. There's with all types of curiosity here. Um, but I, I love it, man. Matthew 14, 14, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them. As we, as you just specified, here is a man that needed time, needed to process, um, loss not only as an you know this is not just a friend or something which is still hurt uh, hurts a lot but this is a family member this is someone that uh, i'm sure have spent some time together um at their in their time uh but here he is even in the midst of his own this need of something right there's a compassion side of it uh to heal the sick and you said Jesus is a reminder that in the concerns of our personal circumstances, we can still be engaged in the concerns of others, that you can do that. There is no one or the other. Jesus is showing us that here. Yeah, it's, it's, we see it all the time. I've seen it growing up. You know, my, my family had a horrible hunting tragedy where my uncle died in a hunting mm. accident. And I've watched my dad go reach out to families that he reads in the new, or sees on the news or in the newspaper that have gone through it in their families. You know, he uses that hurt and that pain and that concern to go have compassion on someone else. Um, I have a cousin who's paralyzed from the chest down, and now he is using his, his concern and his circumstance to go love on and help people that have been paralyzed in some type of accident or whatever. And it's that reminder over and over again that in the kingdom way of living, it is not just about you. And really in our hardest of times, that's when we can kind of bottle up and make it all about us. Woe is me. No one knows what I'm going through. No one understands. No one knows the hurt, the the darkness, the, the, the hopelessness that I'm in. 
And sometimes the very best way out of it is to keep your head up and your eyes open because you're going to find someone else that's going through the same thing or has gone through the same thing. And therein lies the compassion part. And so Jesus is showing us in this very, it's like a whole different sermon, right? You could just sit here and and park all day long in in these verses. That's the beauty of the scriptures that, you know, when you want to withdraw sometimes, sometimes the best response is to have compassion and engage in someone else's life and problem. And for someone today that's going through a very hard moment that is finding themselves more and more recluse in inside their home or behind the doors and they're floating further and further away to isolation, this is that moment to go, no, this is where you step forward and you go get involved in the concern of someone else because that's what's going to pull you out. That The enemy wants you isolated and he wants you alone and he wants you in silence and he wants you just looking down at yourself. And the kingdom way is saying, lift up your head, come out. There's a broken world all around us. We're all broken. We've all got hurts and pains and struggles and let's help each other in our concerns. So while you're helping someone in theirs, they're return helping you yeah and this is not to um demise or you know bring down anybody's uh level of tragedy or whatever heartache they're going through um but if you find yourself camping out for too long in something you know i I think it's 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 a sign or a signal or at least a push that maybe it's time for me to gather around other people i've i've noticed that in my life When I surround myself around people during my toughest moments, I get to find out that my problems actually are not as big as I thought. Yeah. And, uh, and not that my problems don't matter, but it helps me see a different perspective, you know? And so uh, that's the context that we have here as Jesus is getting ready to do what the main bulk of this story is all about. Right. And so here, this is, this is all going on in his personal life. Yep. And many of these people in this crowd don't even know that, you know, or maybe they've heard, oh, you know, John the Baptist died. Maybe there could be some type of an effect on Jesus. But nevertheless, most of these people probably don't even know what Jesus is going through internally right now. And here he is having compassion over them. There's a there's a there's a little side piece to this that I don't think that people really grasp as well is that Andrew is was an original disciple of John the Baptist. Mm. And then John the Baptist tells him, stop following me, go follow Jesus, <laughs> right? He's greater than I am. Yeah. What's he feeling right That's, now? Wow. He's part of this story. Yeah. And that was like, for lack of a better term, that was his mentor. That yeah. was his rabbi. That was his teacher. Yeah. So he's dealing with the news. So not only does Jesus have to figure out how to navigate that personally for himself, He's now discipling one of John the Baptist's disciples that's wow. probably hurting and broken as well. So there's all these little pieces that sometimes you just don't even understand in the story yeah. that really are setting the stage for the bigger thing that we're going to see. Yeah, it makes this look a lot different. Um, yeah, definitely so good to know but the, the pre and the post of a lot of these um, bulk of these messages to get some context. But uh, Matthew 14, 15 through 21, I'm going to read some of this here so that we know where we're at. But now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. (laughs) Doesn't that sound like certain people? Yes. (laughs) You know, they get these freeloaders out of here, man. You know, you you get your your stuff, and then if you want to come back, you know, go ahead and join us, right? Yeah. but Jesus said, hey, they need to go away. They need not go away. You give them something to eat. 
they said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over and those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. We're not even counting women and children, right? So there's way more than people ever really thought or realized. So as they're passing things out, it's just there's a replenishment. There's a heavenly replenishment taking place that they're like, oh, my gosh, this is continuing. (laughs) Where is this coming from? Almost a a manna-like provision right for the israelites the 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 connections and the correlations are bigger than most people realize and the the cool nuances in this are that if you notice what jesus does is remember he's a teacher so what we have to keep in perspective is that there is nothing he's going to do that is not going to be a teaching lesson to his disciples so while the crowds are going to benefit and while we're going to see the miraculous He's doing something always specifically for his disciples. Just as you said last week, the Sermon on the Mount was for the disciples first. He took his disciples up the hillside to teach them and the crowds followed. This event is for the disciples maybe more than anybody else, right? Mm -hmm. And because he knows that they have to understand and learn some things because one day they're going to go do what he needs them to go do. And it's very specific in the text that it says when they brought it to him and he ordered the crowds to sit down, he took the five loaves and then he said, and then you give it to them, Mm. right? So now they're going to participate in this. He didn't say, bring it to me, have everybody line up in a single file line. And if they come to me, I'll break the bread and I'll bless it and I'll hand it to them and then they can keep going. You know, type of deal. He said, you're going to be involved in this. You're going to take it and you're going to give it to them which just shows that he was very intentional on you're going to participate in everything I'm about to teach and do. This is the kingdom way of living. This is the way, as you said, you know, from the Mandalorian, that we are actively participating in our faith. We are not sitting by letting someone else do it. They could have easily sat down and be like, he's Jesus. Just put the baskets out. They'll keep filling up and the people can go to the baskets and get Come whatever grab. they want out. Yeah. He's no, 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 no. You're going to get off your butts. <laughs> you're not going to watch me. You're going to walk around and you're going to participate in the hand delivery of what I'm going to multiply for these people. That's amazing. And I mean, again, you, you see these things, these habits, these in their ministry as Jesus is when he's, even when he's gone, right? Like these are, these are attitudes that he's teaching them postures, uh, attitudes of servanthood, right? As Jesus, because Jesus is going to wash their feet. He's showing them, right? Like you said, man, everything is a lesson for them because they're going to eventually carry the mission of the kingdom of God when he's gone. And I need you to, to do these things because then someone else is going to follow your footsteps as well. That's, that is phenomenal, man. And it's a challenge. It's a challenge for every person listening or watching on YouTube yeah. that you have to start to ask yourself, who are you doing that in? Mm. Right? So it's not just how am I sitting at the feet of Jesus and discipling because we will get to this point. The ultimate goal of a disciple is to turn around and go do what the teacher did. Yeah. But what's the teacher do? 
The teacher invests in disciples. So eventually you're going to come to a level where now your role is going to be to turn around and teach and invest in someone else. And so we can call it apprenticeship. We can call it whatever we want, uh, you know, um, uh, an internship, whatever it is. But spiritually, every single one of us should at some point be looking for someone else to be teaching and discipling. And if you don't, you become the lid. and Right. You become. Whether you just receive. You yeah. have failed the rabbi. Yes. Right? He believed in you enough to, to trust in you that you are the one that's going to continue this mission. And now that you don't, it's it's been a failure. Like, it's 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 incredible, man. Like, there's a lot to digest with that. But with what you were saying is uh, a question you really said uh, in the message, in, in, in the message that you brought was, what is Jesus really declaring? How were the people willing to respond? Um, tell us a little bit about that, because then it links into the next um, portion of this that I thought was was like the Yeah, so it's this. just the, the thing of what questions do we need to ask of yeah. the event so that we can unpack it as much as we can. And what we have to continue to f- see is what Jesus is declaring and everything he does. Everything he does, he's declaring something so that everyone can see, know, understand, and have a glimpse of who he really is. And then I want to pay attention to how the people responded because eventually I have to ask myself, how am I going to respond? Because once he reveals himself to me and who he's declared he is, I have to then decide how am I going to respond to the thing I've been exposed to. That's the power of the scriptures. That's why they're living and active. They're not just there in that setting for those people. They are on the pages for us to read so that it penetrates our hearts. And therefore now I am forced when I see the life of Jesus and the words and the teachings of Jesus and the events of Jesus to ask myself, how will I respond? That was the parables. The parables are a, a rabbinic way of teaching. It's what rabbis did. And then you were to find out who you were in the story. That's why they always had multiple characters, you know? And so maybe you're this person or maybe you're that person. And because of that, when you see what they were doing in that story, it hits you and you realize, yeah, I'm that person. And if I don't change or if I don't respond differently, or if I don't respond that way, I can see the same outcome or I can, it can see a different outcome. That's the beauty of a, a rabbi teaching you the way that Jesus was doing so. And so that yeah. leads us into who he was and what he was doing. Yeah. Um, and I love this part of, of the teaching, man. I thought it was just fantastic. And really, I mean, you camped out a little bit on this. Um, but the life of Jesus really symbolized, for the most part, on what we take in from Scripture. Three different things, right? His mission, to take away sin. His message, the kingdom of God is here, right? And now we're getting ready to see miracles, right? So that they may know who God is. So we see that. His mission, what he's declaring, the message, what, 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 why he's doing what he's doing, and the miracles behind it, the power that is, that is given towards him in his life. And these are the three things that really really depicts Jesus's just life in general and what it's based off of. And so I think I the love key that. Is, that was really good. The key is this is understanding the King of heaven has come to earth and you're being invited into the kingdom way of living. And here's what I, I think people have to open their eyes to. Yes. Jesus came to defeat sin, to take away the sin of the world. John the Baptist says to conquer death, but 
Jesus came and invited people into the kingdom. Mm. He didn't come and just blast them for all their sin, right? He came to take that away and to be the sacrifice for it, but he came, so he said, repent. Why would I repent? Obviously, because I've sinned in my life. For the kingdom of God is here. The the kingdom way, the kingdom, the kingdom, you know, way of living has a ride for you. And so I'm not just asking you to repent of your sin. I'm inviting you into something to be a part of. That is a bigger picture than most Christians have of their faith. They think their faith is Jesus arrived just to forgive me of my sins. Well, then it's everything is a right or wrong for the rest of your life. Instead of no, Jesus came to take away my sin and to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me of my sin and then invite me into a kingdom way of living. This is where the life change happens. This is where it's bigger than just a prayer you say. It's a way of life that the whole world sees a change. The old is gone. The new has come. We are buried with him in death, raised to walk a new life, Paul says in the book of Romans. This is the transformed, renewed mind, uh, renewed mind in Romans chapter 12. This is, this is what Jesus is doing. He's going around. He's inviting people into a kingdom way. The problem is we are not, we're not, we're not comfortable with kingdom language because we don't understand it. Yeah. So I'm in Scotland last week and I'm in a setting where there's castles and there's kingdoms and the way they function, the way they think is totally different than us in America over here on the Western side of the world because they function with Kings and kingdoms. I went through the palace in Scotland where while we're in the palace, if the king decides, hey, I'm coming to Scotland and I want to have dinner, it is an active palace. Then they, they remove everybody that's touring the palace because the king has arrived. He wants to eat here tonight. That's the power of the king. Everybody must respond because the king is coming. Uh, we went to and flew out of London, so we toured Buckingham Palace. And, and you see the glory of this palace and all the architecture and all the things in it. You see the throne chairs and all this stuff. And, and they're letting you know, like, you can tour this, but if the king shows up, everybody goes. Everybody has to react to the fact that the king has arrived. They live in this environment. This is the language we see in the, in the Bible. When the king arrives, it disrupts. You have to respond and react to what the king is doing. We're just not as comfortable with that. We... We would probably bend that towards like if the president showed up and we saw his motorcade and you see the people kind of out on the roads, you know, what whatever they're doing, cheering or picketing, whatever, you know, side they want to stand on, but they're still responding. But we don't have that king approach. And if we did and we understood it, we would understand what Jesus is doing a little bit more, that he is inviting people in. So there's a mission and a message and the miracles Miracles are not a byproduct, so please don't let me diminish that. Don't, don't anybody hear that wrong. But the miracles are the outcome for him to show and declare, I am God. I have the power to do this, but I'm here for a mission, and I'm inviting you into a message. Yeah, that's, wow, that's awesome. And, and yeah, you're, I mean, you're right. We don't have that type of mindset here. And so as we read scripture, it's good that we can begin to see how the kingdom functions, right? We're also in that in that seat. And so as they're hearing these things and really um, walking with Jesus and hearing the verbiage that he's speaking of, of the kingdom of God, you mentioned in 1 Corinthians 1, 20 through 23, where it says, where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? 
For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, wisdom, but we preach Christ, Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. Um, I thought that was great because um, that's kind of the crowd that was surrounding him all the time. You had a mixture of believers and non-believers and skeptics and religious leaders and 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 everyone had an opinion about what he what he should and should not do. They 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 needed this or that in order to fully be invested. Um, and and Jesus was just he was set in a he was focused on a kingdom way. There was no if ands or buts on it. This is exactly how it's going to be drawn up. Um, it's going to be put out there for you. Um, and the ball is in your court, whether you like it or not. Right. And so that's kind of the understanding that's happening here. Here are the Jews and the Gentiles wanting uh, signs, wanting wisdom. Or uh, you mentioned um, that no matter, no matter what for the unbeliever, they're, they're always going to have skepticism. Um, you brought kind of a math equation to the picture yeah. in, in, in the teaching. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's just it what, Paul's, about this. what Paul's referencing is the fact that, you know, there's a, there's a group of people, he says the Jews, they want signs, meaning miracles. Show me the miracle, then I'll believe. And there are many people, that's what their faith is based upon. Show me a miracle, then I'll believe God is real. Uh, and if I haven't seen one in a while, then I'm starting to doubt again. So I need to find another miracle to believe he's real. Then you have the Greeks who seek wisdom, which is really saying, you know, in, in our terminology, we would say these are the people that scientifically probably want you to prove everything. If you can't prove it scientifically, you know, or historically or something like that, then we're not, we're not there. And so that's why I said, yeah, like for that person, it's two plus two equals four, period, right? And yet with God and in the scriptures, what you can find in the story, five loaves and two fish, yet seven equals much more. <laughs> right? Five plus two doesn't just equal seven in God's hands. And that there is where God is in his own time, in his own space, in his own realm, doing what only he can do because he is all powerful. Therefore, it is foolishness, folly, Paul says, to everyone. Yet he says, we preach Christ crucified. We're not even focusing. Yes, Paul's a part of miracles. And he's, he shows up in the book of Acts in the Areopagus, and he sits with the philosophers who are all going to be the Greeks seeking wisdom to try to prove all of it. He's, he's in both realms, but he says, but the goal is the mission and the message of Jesus, Christ crucified. Yeah. Let's start there. Everything else trickles from there. And so there's a lot of Christians right now that base everything upon miracles. So they're, they're, they're so caught up in it. They'll YouTube whatever they can to find and see or, or experience. Um, and I'm not negating miracles. I've seen miraculous things my whole life. I would tell people this, that the miracles are not as predominant in scripture as you think. They, they, they're there uh, in the Old Testament and they're spread out, you know. Yes, God parted the Red Sea for the nation of Israel, right? But then they were in the wilderness for 40 years. So it's not like every single day or every single week. They're just seeing the, the sea parted in this miraculous moment, right? God chooses to do the miracle how he wants to, when he wants to, for the purpose that he intends it to be for. Yeah. And this event is, ex is exactly one of those. He is going to do a miracle at the end of it all to, to proclaim and declare a few things that the crowd needed to know about him. Yeah, no, that's true. And mainly 
I would say, um, correct me if I'm wrong, to continue teaching his disciples. Right. Well, you know why? Because the people could have gone away and gotten their own food. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, they could have gone back to their homes in town and gotten their own food. He keeps them there for a reason. I'm going to feed all of those people, so there's a reason I'm going to do it. It's going to show and declare something. Yeah. So you're, yeah, you're feeding the skeptic. You're feeding, you know, the statistical guy. Feeding you're the feeding Jew, looking the, for the miracle, the yeah, curious people, person yeah. that heard you healed this person. What you're are you going to do today? the religious leader. I heard, you, I heard you healed this person down in this town. What are you going to do today? Mm. He knows all of this. It says he tests his own disciple because he already knew what he was going to do. That's, crazy. that's the beauty of the story. Yeah. And that's where we took the gospels and we kind of connected them, which is to me is so beautiful because people are like, well, there's variances in how they, they write their stories. Yes, there is. Cause if you tell the story that we experience and I tell it, you're going to tell certain details that yeah. I may not. I miss something. It's your yeah. personality. Yeah. It's your perspective into it. And so Mark comes along and says that when he had compassion, they were sheep without a shepherd. And he began mm. to teach them many things. So we have to pay attention to his first response was teaching, not a miracle. Mm. First response in the story is to teach them, not do the miracle. Yeah. And then Luke comes along and says he began to teach them of the kingdom of God. So we now know what he was teaching. We now know what he did when he had compassion. The miracle comes at the end. The miracle is still powerful. The miracle gives an abundance. The miracle declares many things. But the miracle is the final piece. It's a full picture that we're getting when we step back in the story. And that is something we have to see. And when we're in this story, what Jesus is declaring absolutely matters. And so when you think about the fact that he is a rabbi and he is going to use everything to his advantage to teach his disciples, they know wherever we go, as we've said, our ultimate role is to get dusty. We're here to learn and receive whatever he's about to spit at us, right? That's, that's their mindset. That's why they're following him. He knows this. And so as I was reading and I was studying further into this, we know that there are certain signs and symbols all throughout scripture. Now, some take them and they fabricate them to the ninth degree and they're completely off base. But there are some that are there and they're there for a specific reason and a, and a purpose. And when you look at the story, there's a lot of numbers being thrown out. There's five loaves and two fish. There's 5,000 men. It doesn't tell you the count of the women. There's 12 baskets. There's all these numbers that they give all of them within their story. And you have to ask yourself, why do they do that? And so as I was studying, one of the teachers was saying that uh, when you understand the, the numerical uh, symbolism in Scripture, this is, this is kind of how it looks, right? One was obviously the numerical representation of God. There is only one God. Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Deuteronomy chapter six. Two was a representation of the two tablets from the law, from the Ten Commandments, right? Three was always a community, the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, right? Like you see this. So this is three. Four was always talked about the four corners of the earth. So, you know, th these are things that, that you see all throughout this, the scriptures. Five was the Torah, the full five books of Moses, right? And and so you you go through, and we know that six represented the symbolism, the symbol of a sinful man. Seven, the the symbol of completion. Um, and so when you get through all this, twelve was the twelve tribes of Israel. So one writer had wrote it this way: he says, "Now read the story with the understanding of the symbolism." It says Jesus takes the law, 
five loaves, the books of Moses, and two fish, the tablets. So he's taking a full picture of everything that's been taught that the Jewish people know. This makes the complete law. Five plus two equals seven, completion. And this gives, he gives it to his disciples. The disciples feed the people of God, the Jewish people, this full picture, this full meal, you might say, with five loaves and two fish at the time when Jesus is teaching. And when the people take and eat the law they receive from the disciples as they received it from Jesus, there is more than enough for all of God's people, 12 baskets representing the 12 tribes of Israel. So here in this setting, all these little lights should be flashing, these light bulbs in your head that five plus two mattered. The number did. The amount of men, 5,000, I won't get into it today, but that's a military number that we see throughout military victory battles in the Old Testament. Um, and then the 12 baskets. Remember, the 12 tribe of, J of Israel have vanished, right? We learned this in the Old Testament. 10 to the north, 10 lost tribes of Israel. Two to the south, Benjamin and Judah remain because the scepter will come through Judah. And so for the nation of Israel, the 12 tribes have been scattered forever. This is why Jesus chooses 12 men to be his disciples. And this is why he chooses to have 12 baskets filled with an abundance because it is letting the people of Israel know, these thousands of people, that the God of Israel the king of heaven has come to earth in flesh and he is gathering his people, his tribes, all his people back together again. <laughs> that was like a fire hose of, of just info, man. We could end it right there. Like it's, uh, it, we're not even like over yet. Like there is still like we're, we haven't even gotten to the main point. Like we're just, this is part of it, right? This is, yeah. this is what we're feasting on. But this is what he's declaring. Yeah. And we're giving people this understanding. So if you're listening and you're dialed in, I don't care if you go to our church or not. We have people now we know listening from all over. Yeah. We're trying to help you understand the Bible. And we're trying to give you as much as we can inside of it. And so you you then know that John comes back and he says the time is pass the time of the event is the time of Passover. So what do they know about Passover? Our people were in bondage and slavery. They were begging to be rescued and free. God came down. God freed our people. So this story is swirling in their head as Jesus is standing there. What do you do at Passover? You take bread. You've taken Passover with me at my house. And, and you take it and you break it and you bless it. Yeah. Well, what does Jesus do? It says he takes the bread, he breaks it, and he blesses it. And he lifts it up to heaven the same way they do at a Passover Seder. And, and so they're seeing all this happen. And so he's declaring in this moment, I'm the new Moses, the one that initiated the first Passover with you. I have now shown up and with thousands of people representing 12 tribes of Israel, I'm reintroducing this concept of breaking bread with you and showing you the all-powerful God who freed his people from Egypt is going to do an all-powerful miracle in this moment. So there's just so much, you know, like I said, we could keep unpacking. We can keep, man. Wow. I love how you brought each, because as you said, the Bible is, is written by real people in real places in real times. So we're getting an account from each person's perspective because the feeding of the 5,000 is mentioned in all four books, all four gospels, which is very unique. There is um, not everything is specified in every single book, the four books there. So it's very cool that this particular story is, and we get to see it in different angles and different perspectives. 
we went into John 6, 4 through 9, where it says, now the Passover, the, we've, now we're getting into our, 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 our really bread and butter here. Uh, now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand, lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming towards him. Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread? So we're back in the story again, so that these people may eat. He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get, to get a little. So one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But, but what are they for so many? This is the power of the story. <laughs> because anybody who knows the story already immediately knows there's a miracle at the end of all this. Yeah. The more I read it and the more I study it, the more life change happens by looking at everything else outside of the miracle. Mm. Right? Okay, yeah, God is a God of miracles. But then I look at Philip, who's like, hey, 200 denarii, a year's worth of income, can't feed all these people. So the disbelief, I have to ask myself, like, do I have that? Wow. Am I like Philip? And then for Andrew to come along, like, well, we found a boy with five loaves and two fish, but that's just too little. So the doubt. So now when I read the story, I ask myself, when am I like Philip? Mm. And I'm in disbelief. And when am I like Andrew? that I'm doubting that, that Jesus can do these types of things. And these guys have already seen him do miracles. So this is the, this is the reality I'm trying to get people to see that when you're saying, I just need the miracle, his own disciples have seen him at, before this event do some of those things. And they still struggle with it. They still don't fully grasp all of it. They still have their doubts. So the miracle doesn't finish it for you. It is the mission and the message of Jesus wow. that, that draws you into all of it. It's the full picture. The miracles just highlight the fact he is God. He is all-powerful. So you get these two responses, and then, then we have the peace that people know, the boy. And the beauty of that, real people, real places, in real time, as we said, is to know the nuances of the boy. And the nuances are first in this culture, kids are last. And I would say in a lot of cultures, that's how people think. We, we would say kids are not last here, but no matter what, right? Like yeah. adults think they go first, you know, they or whatever. carry the least authority. And it keeps, it's, uh, um, you see this in the, the, when they try to stone Mary, the, the adulterous woman, right? And it says, Jesus told them, he's without sin, cast the first stone. And then it says this, and they each put down their stones from the greatest to the least. So that tells you kids could stand around and throw th stones if they wanted to. So it shows you this, this, you know, this, this slant from the greatest would be the oldest. He put a stone down to the least, the youngest one, whoever that was, however old they were, they were the last one type of a deal. So we get this picture in the scriptures and uh, now we get this boy and the biggest question and the most gut-wrenching conviction is if 5,000 men didn't respond and a boy did, how long did he wait? Or what did he hear that he was waiting to just go give his five loaves and two fish to Andrew for? What did he see and know about Jesus 
that no one else responded to in that moment. Like there's so much to unpack and think through in that moment. It is. And and where is his proximity? Is he hearing this all the way in the back end of the 5,000? The murmuring, the, you know, the just conversations that are happening, right? What compelled this kid to even have the guts? Yeah. (laughs) Right? (laughs) To even step foot to even where, again, where his proximity is to almost push people aside and run. And and I can imagine, you know, when my son has an eager, something eager to tell me, he's eager to tell me something, big news. Uh, he does whatever it takes to get in the front of the line, so to say, to let me know. Like if they know, like if all my three kids know a certain answer, you should see the fighting that's happening to be the first one to give the answer or to suggest the idea or this or that. So I can imagine just a boy like running and just pacing and, and going after him and saying, I, I think I got something here. Right. Or on the flip it, side, it, imagine Sage going to school with all the candy you give her. Cause that's what you do. <laughs> I do. Yes. All her Skittles and Sour Patch kids and everything you load her up with. Could and then saying, work? Hey, you get, you get these two packs and you have to go to school and share them with everybody in your class. Most kids are like, no, like I won't have anything left. Mm. So there's two sides of it, right? Like we don't know. Yeah, yeah we don't know. But you just, you, that's the beauty of when you come into the story, the yeah. never ending story, there's never ending opportunities yep. to see it from different perspectives, to learn, to grow, to be changed. And so now, yeah, like, like as a parent, would my kid be the one that would share their five loaves and two wow. fish or would they be stingy and hold it back? Would my kid be the one eager to learn about Jesus and do what Jesus is asking when none of their friends want to share their stuff, right? Like you, you have layers to unpack in this, but we know this boy is poor because it tells us five barley loaves. Barley was the poorest wheat you could get your hands on. So you are, you're, you're very, very poor. And then uh, I read and studied this past week and and I want to be clear. I'm not saying it was, but as I was reading and studying, uh, one, one person pointed out that in the Greek, the two fish didn't quite mean it was two full fish. Like we may think about, you know, you caught two big, large mouth bass, you know, at least the fish looked nice and big. It could have been two chunks from two different fish. So it's kind of just pieces. And when you hold that picture for a moment, you know, that it could possibly have been like that five really poor loaves of bread from the, the poorest wheat you can make bread from. And, two chunks from two fish and this boy's like yeah but what i have he just talked about the kingdom and i believe that in his kingdom something more can be done with this and i have to respond to that Mm. that's good man that's super good and i um in, in our current thinking we look for what we can get in jesus's kingdom he is looking for those who are willing to give the one thing we know about this kid is that he just flat out responded. There was a response. He, he took initiative, something that many of us may, maybe might have not done. I love the faith of a child, right? As Jesus has, has said, um, that we all need to have because there is no limitation to that. I think the older you get, that's the battle we face is... Uh, our understanding going up against faith yeah. and 
you know, what's worked for us, what's been right for us is not always right in the kingdom of God. Breaking the perspective we talked about last week. My, the, my, the misconceptions. My current reality is that I don't have anything to give for this particular situation with all these people. That's flat out, and you're 100% correct. But where does the faith come in? Will the, you know, that's what we live by. That is the bread and butter of our, of, our, of our journey is faith, right? And so why is it that we neglect it? Why is it the last thing that we, what we, that we do, that we apply, right? We, we want to put logic first. We want to put uh, the, our current situations first, uh, and, and we want to justify it through those lenses. But we never, uh, faith is not the first response that we ever come up with. And it takes a boy to allow us to realize that, dang, like, I need to, I need to, I need to be more faith-driven and more the, than anything in life. Let the little children come unto me. He doesn't Damn. say so that they can go to heaven. Yeah. He says, for theirs is the kingdom of God. It's There's the kingdom man. language again. Yeah. It, we have to know this is what he's teaching. This is his message. And he invites children into it. And so that's the beauty of it. And the beauty is because children, their faith is larger than our faith. Oh, yeah, man. As an adults, we get so old and so set in our ways. We, we say we believe, but we have more disbelief. You know why? Because we think it's only done a certain way, and if it changes at all, then then it then it can't be it can't be happening because it's not the way that I experienced or, or the way that it went for me. And what's great about what we're doing with the Neverending Story is that we're watching children in the faith learn the Bible and absorb it like never before. Yeah. And then we're watching old people in the faith realize man, there's so much more in this and it's revigorating them and yeah. it's, it's fanning a flame in them to come back to the story of God, to learn and to grow and to realize you're never too old, you're never too young. God wants you in his kingdom right now for his kingdom purpose on earth, no matter where you are, no matter how long you're there. So throughout all the excuses, well, I'm not in a house yet and I'm in an apartment. Great, you're in an apartment for how long? How many people around you need to experience the kingdom of God? Hey, I'm only at this job and doing this thing with a con contract for this long. Great. If you're there for two weeks or six weeks or three months, God puts you there to advance his kingdom and make his kingdom known. This is what kingdom thinking is like. It's not wait till I get set up. Wait till we get enough bread and enough fish collected from enough people. And then possibly we can start to ration that out. It was who has something to offer, whatever it is. And if you offer it to Jesus, he will take it and he will multiply it and do more with it. Let's go. Let's go, man. That's what we got. That's that's faith right there, man. That is the like I said, the backbone of what we believe, is 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 in those moments that we don't have the all the answers. We don't have all the resources. You brought up just countless and countless stories of your experience as you're opening up the church and just how much it took of a faith based uh, move and, and 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 it's it's like. It's like you're, you're you know, an analogy of like playing um, chess. You're, you're making these faith-based moves to the next spot, hoping that, you know, hey, I'm trusting in you, God, that you're going to be the one to, to take this forward and propel it. But I was, I was talking to you pre-show, and as I was listening more to the message, man, I was like, oh, this is so good, the five and the two, right? Like, here is this kid, and I, I, I wanted to get your okay with it because I didn't want to say anything uh, that just wasn't, that was just more on my thought process and not really 
um, something that we could relate with this, but what's your five and two, right? And so my thought was like, as I'm hearing this, like, what is the five things in your life, right, that, that are practical? What are the five things that uh, God has blessed me, I'm, I'm successful in these areas, or I have these resources, and I'm able to do it, and I, it's, 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 it's basically a completed thing. What are, what are those things, right? But then the two, as you were mentioning, the chunks of fish, right? It's not, a, it's not a whole fish. It's not complete. It's not this beautiful depiction of salmon and all this stuff that I, I grew up thinking, right? But it's, it's this chunk. And the beauty of it is like, what is that? What are those two faith-based things that I can bring to the table for God to use to bring completion to this picture, right? What are the five that I know that I carry, the five things I know I can do, but what are the two things that I I... I I may have some stuff. It's not fully there, but that's exactly what God needs to complete this whole thing in this picture. Like that that really shook me, man. That's so good for the take home for anybody listening and watching. That's the the wrestling match you need to have with God. That 5 and 2. And mm. I'll I'll say this, I, I don't mind cuz I'm a student. I'm constantly learning. Like you say, I'm a geek, so I'm learning from everywhere. I got that five and two from the Chosen series. So if no one's watched the Chosen series, I highly encourage it. And I don't care what half the people out there say because there's always, you know, naysayers and haters. I think they do a great job of telling the story of the Bible. And I'm just enthralled watching it. Um, But they... I heard the producer give his testimony last year. I was at a convocation at Liberty University visiting my daughter, and he was there being interviewed. And this was his testimony, and I think this is just so powerful. He said that he had been on stage at Liberty five years prior, and he's a a Christian movie producer. And he was there to promote his new movie, and he thought, if I can stand on stage at the largest Christian university in the world and do this, my movie's going to... It's going to, you know, soar. And the movie got released that night. And by the end of the weekend, it had bombed at the box office. And he was completely defeated, completely deflated. And he thought, maybe I'm in the wrong career. Maybe I'm done. How many people right now feel like I try and I try and I try and nothing's working. Maybe I should just give up and toss in the towel. So if that's you, don't turn us off right now. Turn it up and lean in for just a moment. And I'm telling someone else's testimony, but it's that powerful. And he said, uh, he said, I went home, he said, and I couldn't sleep. What did we do wrong? What, am I a bad producer? You know, all this type of stuff. And he said that he was up in the middle of the night, just couldn't sleep. And his computer, he's doing some stuff and emails and a Facebook message went ding. And he clicked it. And a guy from over in the UK said, hey, I don't even know if you're up yet. I'm messaging you. Um, I know we're on a different time zone. And, uh, and so God just told me to send you a message that he's not done with you. He just wants you to give him your five loaves and two fish. Mm. And he says, he took that and he read it and he goes, you know, I'm just still dealing with, you know, probably depression and darkness over the bomb of our movie for the weekend. He goes, and my wife woke up that morning and she was like, how did you sleep? And he told her, you know, I didn't sleep well. How are you doing? I'm struggling. She said, I woke up this morning. I started praying for you. And God told me to tell you this. He's not done with you. Give him your five loaves and two fish. So that's, that's not coincidence, right? This is what we're talking about, the miraculous. This is the God of miracles. These are not coincidences. This is God at work. 
And he said that's that that stuck with him. He couldn't let it go. And so he went away and spent time with God and just kept saying, God, if I just give you my five loaves and two fish, will you take it and will you use it? And that is when he got away and he began to write The Chosen. And now we know it is the most watched Christian show of all time. So to put a cap on it, right? I'm, I watch them, I study, or I, I follow them. He's given a report. So a few months ago, they they took it from, it's, not, it's free on their app. Um, it's now, I think you can watch some episodes like on Netflix and stuff, but somehow they got it to air on, uh, I think it's like Fox or something like that late night, Sunday night or something like that to syndicate it. We know in the entertainment business here that the writers run on strike and the actors went on strike. So all these shows can only air reruns right now because they don't have new content because of the strike. So they air it. And if I'm correct, and I'm, I may be wrong on this detail, I don't know if it was the, the first episode, just the first night or the first two, however, aired or whatever, when they got the TV ratings back for how many people watched, I think it was the opening episode on that night, 520,000 people watched the very first episode, five and two, five loaves and two fish. And he just saw that number and connected the dots all the way back to sitting at that computer when someone emailed him through Facebook Messenger, God said, give your five and two. And he said, I can't believe we did a show that 520,000 people watched tonight in the U.S. And that is the number that they sent back to me. That's the miraculous. That's the miracle. That's the, that's the final moment to show he is God. This producer had to know the mission of Jesus understand the message of Jesus, and then Jesus decides to do a miracle with what he gave. The same thing for the boy. The boy is wow. the highlight of the story because he steps forward. He knows the mission of Jesus. He hears the message of Jesus that he's teaching, and now he becomes part of the miracle of Jesus. And so there's so many people looking for a miracle, and I believe you are one, one decision away from giving your five and two to being the miracle God wants to do or use in someone's life. Man. Woo, this is this is this this is good. This is good. <laughs> Woo, this is really good. I hope you guys man are just really taking this in and I encourage you guys even just to re-listen to this and um and just, you know, one thing that we are big on here is really submit your questions. If you have questions on the podcast. It could be any episode from one all the way to 36 as we're doing here, 37. Um, but listen, man, we want to hear from you guys. We want to hear from you. If you have any questions on this um, or any content that we've spoken about with scripture, we're, we're here to help. We want to clarify, help in whatever way we can. We, we're not going to have all the answers, uh, but we are going to give you what the, what the word of God is declaring and saying. And so you are never without anything to offer or contribute in God's never-ending story. And so, um, man, what a way. What a way to continue this thing. I'm excited. We got Pastor Chad on deck next weekend. But uh, listen, don't expect him to be here on the pod. Um, and, and 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 you know what? It's okay. It's all right. It That's okay. We're going to still make this work. We're starting to get an audience in the room. We need, we, need, we need crowd mics so we can hear the amens Amen. and the applause and everything like You should like hear that. Glenn, man. In front he of is, a live studio audience. He's receiving this, Post man. Post-Sunday podcast. And, yes. See, you can hear it. That's so what I'm good. talking about. So good. And, and as he said, we want questions. 
many of you listening got questions. We don't care where you're from yeah. or where you're listening or watching yep. from. Submit your questions. Um, we know that our, our, our faithful, Larry Murray, will submit a question all the time, even yeah. though Trina wants credit for it. Um, and uh, and so... Um, <laughs> Get that joint to count. They're like, <laughs> like but who really is But for all those it? listening <laughs> and watching, we thank you. Yep. We, we appreciate you. We hope that this is helping you just get excited about the word of God, a book yeah. that maybe was just dead to you or boring to you or not relevant to you. And all of a sudden it's coming to life for you and Crazy. it's transforming you. That is the goal. That is what we are here for. We want the word of God to permeate your life and your heart, change you forever, change the way you live, change your marriage, change your home, your career, whatever it is, change you as a student so that you start to live a kingdom way of living. Man. Well, thank you guys again, last pastor, uh, Tim, said we're we're so thankful for you guys if you can give us a shout shout out give us some love give us uh, actually i encourage you guys give us a rating at in itunes or spotify helps boost the podcast up and really help us get more exposure so that people can be able to listen and hear and receive just as you have comment as well uh, and follow us on all social media platforms. We're mostly on on all of them at Post Sunday Podcast. And uh, man, we can't wait to continue this thing uh, and keep it going. But thank you to everyone listening. We love you guys, and we'll see you back here next week. Grace and peace. Thanks for listening to the Post Sunday Podcast, presented by Genesis Church. A place to go further, discover more, and to learn things you possibly never have. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Genesis Church Orlando and at Post Sunday Podcast. Till next time, grace and peace to all of you. <laughs>